Well, good morning, everyone. It really is great to see you here today. Welcome to church. Welcome to a new series, Northmead Refresh. Um, and as we start this series, I can tell you that what has refreshed me after lockdown and restrictions and uncertainty and changing rules um, is seeing you all in the last few weeks. Um, the Bible says we are spiritually united in Christ. We are one together in him. And the expression of this when we get together is so good. When we can see each other, there's just something intangible about being together in the same space. It's super re-energizing. It is so great to see you. And so I hope and trust that after the long hibernation of lockdown, that the next four weeks will revive us as a church and refuel us for serving our great God. So why don't we pray to him now? Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the joy it is to be together as your people and to hear your spectacular good news that you love us in Jesus Christ. Help us to listen. Help us to be transformed by what you've done for us. And Father, we pray that we would live new lives in a way that bring you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we love things that are fresh, don't we? I mean, fresh, delicious food, like uh, healthy, warm, baked bread, still warm out of the oven with lashings of butter. Awesome. Love it. Fruit and vegetables that are fresh and crisp taste way better. But it's also true of fresh ideas, isn't it? Fresh ways of doing things or a, a fresh TV show or a book or music or technology. We love things that are new and are different. At the same time, we actually really like things that are familiar and comfortable. That's why we go to the same place every year for holidays. When we can, uh, we go that for the familiarity and the serenity. But, you know, shoes that have been worn in, a couch or an armchair that's actually molded itself to you, your favorite recipe handed down from mum, from grandma, we, we know it and we love it. Well, today I want us to experience something from God's word that is brand new, something that is fresh, something that is original, something that is the latest, but at the same time, it is comfortingly familiar. And it is the infinite mercy of God in Jesus dying for our sins. Now I know what you're thinking. We've heard that one before. In fact, some of you are thinking, that's all we ever hear. And to that I say, great. But listen to God's word from Lamentations uh, chapter 3, which should come up on the screen. Lamentations 3. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. For his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I want us to notice two quick things from those verses. First, God's mercy, God's faithful love is never-ending. It is always the same. It is always true. It will never run out. It will never cease to be everything we need to live. But at the same time, notice his mercies are new every morning. His mercy is fresh every day. His compassion and his loyal love is continually renewed. See, on one hand, God's love and mercy to us in Jesus never wavers. 
It doesn't go up and down depending on his mood or depending on our performance. It's constant and unceasing. His mercies never end. But the fact that God is with us and he loves us and he is on our side comes fresh and new every morning, every day. It's like the morning sunlight hitting us. It's like a cool summer breeze. It's like clear water from a spring. It revives us and re-energizes us every time. His love and mercy are constant and always new, unchanging, and yet always fresh. See, actually what makes his mercy eternal is that it's renewed every morning. What makes his mercy to us new and fresh every day is that it's still there and it lasts forever and it never gets old, unlike anything else we experience in life. Now, what this means is because we are God's people, because we are saved by and called by and defined by his love and mercy, then our experience of Christian life, our experience of church will be the same. It's constant and eternal and unchanging. And so we are content with God's ceaseless, unending mercy. Because God's people have been gathered together around God's word and they've shared their lives and they've shared meals and they've shared encouragement since the very beginning. And they will until this world ends. That won't change. The gospel won't change. God's love won't change. Our mission won't change. But at the same time, God's mercy is fresh and new every day. And so his church is growing and changing and building and moving and adapting and bearing fruit as God works in us. Because God's eternal, unchanging word is living and active. Both of these realities are true for us. The Lordship of Jesus brings both contentment and constancy and change and renewal. Now to explore that a little bit further, let's talk about time. Often people discuss the nature of time and wonder, is it, uh, is it linear? It's in a straight line moving forward or is it kind of circular where we just kind of end up back where we started and everything just kind of keep repeats, keep repeat, repeat, repeat. What we see in the Bible is actually it's both. From the very beginning, as God created the world, the way he works to make the whole universe it tells us there is evening and there is morning the first day. Then there's another evening and morning. Not the same day, but the second day. So his plan and his purpose moves forward in a linear fashion, but through small circles, if you like. Lots of little beginnings and endings. A day, and then you start a new day. A week, then you start a new week. Seasons through the year, and then you cycle back again. But always moving forward forward. And what it means is that there is a certain predictable pattern about the future. And yet at the same time, we don't really know what the future holds. Even Israel's experience, when you think about it, God's people in the Old Testament, God's work in them. So often there were times of prosperity and peace. They were settled, enjoyed God's blessings. And then as they forget him, there are times of hardship and struggle That causes them to cry out to him, brings them back to God and to his blessing, repeating that process, but always moving towards God's ultimate plans in Jesus Christ. And just to dig a little bit deeper, when it comes to the way you understand the world, 
There's this massive divide today between the conservatives and the progressives. And it's all about this. Progressives say all change, everything new and that's never been done before must be good. But that can't be true. Have you tried drinking with paper straws or eating Cadbury chocolate with Vegemite in it or watching any of the latest Star Wars movies? It just isn't true. But even more significantly, when you think about it, humans have invented some horrible new ways of being horrible to God and each other. Conservatives, on the other hand, say, that's right, so change is always bad. Everything new and never done before is suspicious. The old ways are always best. Now, that's not entirely true, is it? Because human history has some awful things in it that we should never, ever do again. And it's the same debate in churches between the liberals who want to change everything. Let's change God's message. Let's adapt church for the modern world. Let's ignore the Bible and invent new gospels and find new truths that you wouldn't even recognize as Christianity versus traditionalists who would rather sit in empty sandstone buildings, wearing the same clothes, using the same language, having the same religious format that they did 700 years ago, 1700 years ago. Both of them have completely missed the point. Neither of those are what God calls his church to be. Because you see, God's sovereign kingship over everything, the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Lord, always drives reformation and change and renewal of the church. I mean, now's the time for us to be remembering that. Last Sunday was Reformation Day. We remember those who reformed and renewed and revived the church by throwing off the old traditions, the structures that had got in the way of the gospel and denied the gospel. But you know what's really interesting? You look at the Reformation. You know what started the Reformation? You know what brought about that renewal and change? They went back to the original. They went back to the word of God. They went back to read the scriptures without the filter of official church tradition. And the gospel was preached afresh. Change came when God's eternal unchanging word was read and believed. The church was revived and refreshed and renewed and reformed by going back to what had always been from the start. Saved by grace through faith. But you know, this isn't just a concept that's for out there in the world or out there in church history. It is our personal experience as Christians as well. This is who we are in Christ Jesus. We are brand new people, the Bible says. You might not feel like it and God says, trust me, it's true. You have brand new identities. You have a brand new relationship and brand new standing with God. This is God's gift to us. The Bible says those who are in Christ are new creations. The old is gone, the new has come. The Bible says we have been given new birth into a living hope. And it means we have a brand new destiny after we die. We have a brand new purpose to live now. It is new and fresh. But you know what? God has chosen us. We're still us. He doesn't delete us and then create a brand new thing that has nothing to do with us. It's new and it's us with our personalities and our individualities and the way God has made us. Because you see, the truth that's always the same and yet always fresh, the truth that is unchanging, yet it's always relevant, it's eternal but always new, 
is that Jesus Christ is our loving Lord and Savior who shed his blood for us on the cross. Jesus Christ is our master and our Lord. He is our king and our God. He's the one who commands us and we worship him. And Jesus Christ is our rescuer. He's our savior, our friend, our comforter, our counselor who died for us. He's the one we trust. His faithful love and mercy never ends because he died for us. His faithful love and mercy is new every morning because he died and rose for us. So maybe you're feeling as a Christian a bit tired and worn out after lockdown. And after being away from each other and away from church. Maybe you're feeling flat in your faith. Or a little lost in your walk with Christ. Maybe you feel like you're missing that spark of joy Or you have the suspicion that maybe another church is going to get you in touch with a deeper, fresher spiritual experience of God. Well, then let me remind you today of what has always been true. But it is good for us to hear anew and afresh every day. The glorious, perfect, sacrificial, unconditional love of Christ is what defines us and shapes us and unites us and transforms us and revives us. It's not our feelings, not our perception, not our circumstances, not our performance. When it comes to thinking about ourselves as Christians and about us as a church, as the gathering of God's people, it's good for us to hit refresh on this awesome, amazing, mind-blowing truth. The perfect love that Christ has for his people. Remember what Jesus said to the foreign woman at the well in the middle of the day. She's a bit of an outcast. She's, it's, a, it's a hot Scorching day, she's on her own. And he said to her, everyone who drinks the water from this well will get thirsty again. Whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. The love of Christ is never ending and never changing And always satisfying. The love of Christ is always fresh and always new and always available and always filling us. And this is what shapes us and defines us. This is what gives us identity and value and purpose. Identity. See, the question, who am I? Who am I? The simple answer is, one, I am a Christian. A Christian, someone whose life revolves around and is oriented toward Christ, my Savior, my King, my God. And second, who am I? Everything else, whatever the other details are. But first, I am His. If you have your Bibles, turn to Colossians 3. We had it read, um, a great passage. And it's worth us spending a little bit of time in Colossians chapter 3. But in particular now, just going to have a look at verses 9 and 11. Colossians 3 verse 9. Do not lie to one another since you've put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. In Christ there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free. But Christ is all and in all. You see, there's our new identity. 
We are made new in Christ. Individually and as a community, we are new in Christ. So national backgrounds, religious backgrounds, cultural, social identities don't define us. But Christ is all and in all. We belong to the perfect one. And this new reality can't be taken away because it comes from him. Our identity doesn't come from us from being religious or being hardworking or doing our best or being in control of our lives. or Our identity comes from him. It's his gift. He says, you are mine. And nothing can change that. It's given to us freely through his love. And even more, our identity as Christians, our identity as the church of God, doesn't come from our feelings. As if I feel like a Christian, then I must be one. Or I don't feel like a Christian, then I'm not one anymore. That's a very dangerous path that our world is walking down, that our feelings now determine reality and not the other way around. But for us, as we think about who we are, first and foremost, we are Christ's. That's who we are. Christ's man, Christ's woman, Christ's gathered people in community. Our identity is first and foremost that we are his. We're Christians who happen to be gathered here at Northmead who happened to be Anglican, who happened to be here at 9am. So what you look like, or your language, or your culture, or your nationality, your male, female, young, old, all are welcome. Because what matters, what unites us together, is our identity as forgiven sinners in Christ. We have nothing, but we trust Him. And that shifts your thinking enormously. When you realise that your identity comes from God because you exist for God. And that brings us to our value. Christ defines our value. Christ determines what we are worth. And you see this kind of idea in the housing market at the moment. We're kind of experiencing it. The value of a house is whatever someone is willing to pay for it. So it might be a rundown, battered old house that's falling apart. It's worth millions. That's the same as us. Our worth is what someone's willing to pay for us. But worse for us is, imagine a falling down house that's on a swampland on the edge of a cliff about to fall into the sea. Like that's, that's us, our worth, our value is the same. In ourselves, we have nothing. The Bible says we are guilty and we're corrupted by sin and we're rebels and we're foreigners. And... But Christ was willing to pay everything for us. His life his blood, his sacrifice determines our value. God was willing to pay the highest price imaginable for us and to gather us together here like this, the blood of his precious son. If someone is willing to die for you, that makes your life worth something. If God the son is willing to die for you, that makes your life worth everything. And our fellowship worth everything. It is of infinite valuable value. And what makes us valuable is not how young or tall or rich or funny or smart or sporty or good looking or stylish or skillful or popular we are. Trust me, I know. But here is your value if you put your trust in Jesus Christ. You are chosen by God. God decided he wants you. You are precious to God. God was willing to pay the highest price imaginable 
to redeem you and rescue you and get to spend eternity with you. You are found by God. You were far away and lost. God searched for you until he found you to carry you home to experience his eternal forgiveness and joy. You are adopted by God. He calls you son or daughter and everything he has is yours and you are indwelt by God. God decides the place he will dwell in the world is not a temple or a building or a shrine or a palace or a holy place, but you. God lives in you. He shines his glory for everyone to see in the universe in you. Which in turn leads to our purpose. Identity, our value, our purpose. Part of what gives something value is the purpose it accomplishes. Something for a greater purpose, naturally more valuable. We now exist for the greatest purpose there is. The glory of God in the salvation of sinners. We exist for God's delight and pleasure and joy. Which means now for us, everything is for Christ. Everything. But how do we do this? Does it mean we have to sit in church 24-7 or be doing religious-y things all the time? No, it means our whole life. It means even the ordinary little details of life is lived in service of God and His glory. With Him is our anchor in the storm, our lighthouse in the darkness, our tether that keeps us from falling, our strong foundation that helps us to stand. And so when you're sitting around the table having dinner, or as you're driving to work, when you're sitting in a meeting or talking to friends, when you're shopping online or you're in that infinite scroll mode on your screen, know that God loves us so much and so comprehensively that he is interested in all of those things. And we need to keep asking ourselves, is Christ at the center of what I'm doing? Is Christ at the center when we get together? Does it bring him joy and pleasure? Does it express his worth and majesty? Does it display faith in his power and promise? And you see, what may start out as having to kind of keep disciplining our thinking and deliberately aligning our thinking to him, bringing it back to what matters at every moment, will then start to move to happen more naturally and instinctively that everything is for Christ. Because here's the thing. If you want to know more about your identity in Christ, if you want to know more about your value in Christ, your purpose in Christ, then actually you need to know him. Because he shapes and defines those things, who we are, our worth, our reason for being. And again, it's right there in Colossians chapter 3, verse 10, where it says, you have put on the new self, you are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. You have put on this new self, and this new self is being renewed, daily made new, according to the knowledge of our creator, that we will be like him. Knowing God is what renews us. Knowing God through his son Jesus is in fact the most practical, the most relevant, the most applicable, the most life-changing thing there is. Because as you know him, then you know who you are. And you know what you're worth. And you know how to live. 
Imagine you meet someone who says to you that life for them is all about family. And so you say, well, okay, tell me about your family. And they say, well, I don't spend much time with them and I don't know them very well. That's a weird answer, isn't it? Or they say, I live for cricket. Oh, well, who do you think is better, Bradman or Tendulkar? And they say, well, I've never heard of him. I don't know much about it. Well, that's just weird, isn't it? We know life is all about Jesus. Relationship with God through Jesus. So when people ask us, oh, well, tell me about this Jesus person who defines your whole life, then we will have an answer ready for them because we know him. You see, our purpose is constant. And our purpose requires change and adaptability. For our church to stay healthy, for us as Christians to keep growing, for our church to stand firm, for us to keep moving forward, for our church to remain faithful in the gospel, we have to keep finding new ways to reach the lost and to share God's love with one another. This is what it means to be a Christian. This is the greatest blessing that God gives us. We get to live for him. We exist for Christ. And everything about who we are and what we do is for him and his glory. And to put it another way, the idea that is always constant and always fresh, the love of Christ defines our thinking and our feeling and our doing. Christ defines our thinking. I mean, he speaks perfect truth. So we see the world the way he describes it. And we believe what he says. Our thinking, our understanding, our worldview is shaped by the lordship of Jesus. Christ also defines our feeling. So we, def- we find delight in the things he says are good. We rule and guide our hearts and lead them to Jesus. We don't let our hearts rule us. The lordship and love of Jesus rules and guides our feelings and never the other way around. Christ defines our thinking and our feeling and our doing so that we now joyfully work for his purposes. We hear his call in his word and we gladly obey because we are his. The lordship of Jesus, his spectacular sacrifice and his return makes it crystal clear what we ought to be on about, doesn't it? Living out the life, the joy, the freedom of belonging to him. Now, next week, we're going to continue our refresh series by exploring the idea that Christ inspires us. Thinking more about how being captivated by Christ means we can keep making him the center of our lives. And so more and more be who we are in him, filled with all his fullness as we draw closer to him. But that's next Sunday. But for now... After lockdown, after two years of COVID, a holiday will be great. And trips will be fun. Maybe a new job, maybe new experiences. They're nice. But they won't solve your problems or satisfy your soul. They won't truly refresh you. Only Jesus can. The thing we need to be refreshed after a challenging year and in a rebellious, messed up world is to come to God and to bring everything to Him, to find our identity and our value and our purpose together in Jesus. That's what will refresh us because Christians, we have something 
no one else in the world has. We know who we are. And we know what we're worth. We know how to live. And every day we wake up is a new day of God's spectacular goodness and is a day closer to the majestic return of Christ who is our deepest delight and our highest passion and our greatest joy. And He is coming back for us with infinite glory and perfect holiness. Come Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the message of the gospel that is old, eternal, unchanging, and fresh and new every day. That you love us. You have loved us. You will love us through Jesus' death and resurrection. Please help us never to take for granted or to get stale as we think about the amazing message of your son giving his life for us, the blessings we have in him, the relationship we have with you, the indwelling that we experience of your Holy Spirit. Father, we pray that you would help us as a church to keep refreshing one another with this truth, lifting each other up, bearing one another's burdens, bringing encouragement and fresh delight even in times of darkness and struggle. Father, we pray that you'd help us to keep looking to Jesus, the glorious one. In his name we pray. Amen.